Welcome to the West of North London podcast, where winning the transfer window is not about how much money you spend. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. So, Tim, you brought a, a guest this week. Yeah, it's my uh, my good friend, Alex. Uh, hey, Alex, how are you doing? Good. It's good to, good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for coming. So, Alex, tell us how you became an Arsenal fan. Uh, I mean, just weird growing up, not being able to watch it. So it's just kind of like seeing it in the newspaper. But my dad was an Arsenal fan, just kind of happened by proxy. Especially like after the Invincible season, I think is probably when it really started happening more. But he would like kind of pick up on stuff, you know, just yeah. over the news. That was about it. So. I mean, how did your dad become an Arsenal fan? Uh, <laughs> I think he might have just been like, our family's name is French, so I think he might have been like, oh, there's that cool French manager at Arsenal, and uh, he's doing a really good job. And got all these cool French players. I think he kind of might have gone off of that. Yeah, so have you been following since like the uh, the Invincible season, basically? Yeah, I mean, roughly about then, because I was about uh, you know, 13, 14. So oh, I was nice. you know, fairly young, and I was playing all the time, but didn't have cable or anything, so I was just kind of like, catch whatever game I could. It's usually the national team. Yeah. Like men's national team. So. Yeah. I mean, you started at the same era I did with so the uh, invincible season was my first season watching. So uh, yeah, we're roughly at the same time of starting watching Arsenal, which was, it was hard. Like uh, I remember the only way you could actually catch games was on Fox sports world, which was not easily accessible. That, grab. Is that what changed change to Fox soccer channel eventually? I think it, yeah, I believe Fox Plus World changed the Fox Soccer Channel, and then these kids have no idea how good they have it. Yeah, <laughs> and this is like, like I mean, Alex will say it's like it was pre. I mean, internet was there ish, but it wasn't the same way it is now. So yeah, right. these kids getting instant soccer, watching every Premier League yeah, game you live, you can stream almost any game now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Between four streaming services. Right. If you're willing to pay for it, you can see everything. Exactly. <laughs> um, but at least it's there and it's nice for all of us now. Like I we Tim, I think you 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 sound like you literally watch soccer all day if you could and I, you probably could get away with it. I do. At my job I, I do I watched four games yesterday, so Yeah, I watched you do at least watch you watch like half of at least a game and a half, you know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's talk about drinks. You got you guys are are both brewery guys, so I'm curious to see what you showed up with today. Yeah, Alex, what'd you uh, bring with you? Brought something out of the work cellar that uh, was just kind of sitting there. But it's like I, the seventh year anniversary beer. And for your uh, for the uh, listeners, uh, where do you work? At uh, Structures <laughs> Brewing here in Billingham. Yes, just right downtown there. One of my favorite breweries of all time. So. So, see, so you've got a shirt on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's a blend of an imperial stout and barley wine, bourbon barrel aged with like some coffee and coconut. It's, it's pretty good. I didn't even get to try it on draft because everyone drank it so fast. <laughs> What's the name of it? It's just thank you for seven years. This yeah. is what they call our every anniversary beer. But, uh, it's, I mean, they've been wanting to throw coconut. Coffee and just about every beer lately. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> sure, oh, it's dark, good. Darker beers are uh, are like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. It's good. What did you guys? Oh, I mean, like you have to give your tasting notes and without I mean, getting it's, fired. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 
nice and smooth. It's like partially stainless, partially bourbon barrel aged, so it's not like too bourbony and but not too like you know dull from the stainless. So it's it's a good mix of both. They know they know what they're doing with barley wines. And yeah, picking out good barrels, so it's nice and smoky and sweet from the coconut. Yeah. Is the coconut overpowering, or is it just kind of a, a background flavor of that? I think the, it's a good mix between the coffee and the coconut. It's not too much of either of them, but I've got an extra bottle for you if you want. Oh, yes. Uh, we'll talk off air about that, because yes. <laughs> It'll be there in five minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Caleb? What are you drinking? Uh, okay, I'm going to complain. I'm going to complain <laughs> about uh, QFC's uh, selection these days. <laughs> I I like IPAs, but I, I have been trying to branch out. And, and I, sp- I like winter. I, I kind of wanted something like winter ale-like, something a little darker. Holy cow, 99% of what they have is is a, a an IPA, a double IPA, a hazy IPA from all the brand, <laughs> from all the bottles. Like, I, I, I couldn't have chosen something else if I wanted to. Um, <laughs> You're talking was, to two to interesting guys that know this yeah, exact what problem. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it, I, and, and I like it. I, yeah. I, it, but it, like, if you really wanted it to do something different, it's, it's not available to you, at least not at the grocery store. Um, so I ended up with an IPA, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a, an Inkasi I had not tried yet called the Eclipse. Eclipsosaurus Celestial IPA. <laughs> I think they're running out of names over there too. Um, but can I pause just for a second? No joke. I almost picked this up at the grocery store to do it as my uh, beer of the week because I was at the grocery store and needed something. <laughs> you almost got this one. I almost got that one, but oh I did my not. gosh! Okay, well, I'll tell you how it is. I might save you. Is it at like twelve percent? It is. Oh. <laughs> I, this is a seven point two. Oh, never mind. That's half oh, what I yeah, said. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that was. Boring. Thankfully, not. I, I don't. I don't need that tonight. Um, but yeah, it's it's not bad. But they're all starting to run into each other too. Yeah, like, that's the other <laughs> thing. Like it's just starting to all feel very same. Yeah. Um, so I think I think I'm beer bored. I need I need to start branching out. <laughs> You know what you could do is go to your local brewery, and I know you're fairly close to Hellbent Brewing, which is a great mm-hmm. brewery, and uh, go pick up because they'll usually have styles that are not IPAs. Because I felt that same way when I was looking for a beer of the week this week at the uh, the grocery store because it was all IPAs all the time. Yeah, the whoever's doing the buying for the the local chains, they're they're a little crazy. I mean, right. I think they're looking at the sales and going IPAs sell, yep. and they sure do. They do. Yeah. Like, we had a hazy IPA that we made, which was called the Hudsucker IPA, which uh, if you know Hudsucker Prophecy of the movie, the joke line is, is like, Hudsucker, it's for the kids. <laughs> and we're also good. We're, we're very much talking about doing a, uh, a hazy IPA called Hazeball 2's Search for More Money. <laughs> that's what I mean, that's, that's what sells. You have to have at least two APAs on anything because yeah. that's what the people want. Yeah, we're having that opposite problem with that structures right now. Oh, really? And the cooler is a Schwartz beer or a pub ale, like a brown oh. pub ale. I like IPAs. a good Schwartz beer. I'm not saying it's a problem. It's just a problem for people that really want an IPA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I've, I think I've, I've been doing it too long. I've been in the IPA game for too long. I yeah. need to, I need to, to get, get some new, new something. I don't know what it is, but there's something missing. Again, I will say it as a, a representative of the brewing community, visit your local brewery and they'll have multiple options for you. Yeah. Uh, Tim, what did you end up with? I ended up uh, surprisingly after the grocery store. We actually went to North Fork Brewing up uh, in Deming, <laughs> and because we wanted pizza, and they have great pizza there. So I got their uh, Spotted Owl 25th anniversary uh, beer. It's a barley wine, twelve uh, percent. So I apologize how the end of this podcast is going to go. And yeah, mine's eleven point six, so I get it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great label, by the way, because it's a, a skull of an owl with two bloody chainsaws, which is like hitting my, uh, again, my aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's hitting at 12%. It's a um, tradi- traditional for North Fork, which if you know anything about North Fork, they'd never do anything traditional, but a uh, traditional uh, English barley wine aged uh, for three months in... Uh, in bourbon barrels. Sorry, I'm trying to pour the beer while I'm not spilling on my computer. Uh, and let's let's go. Oh, that smells delicious. Yeah, and that's amazing. That's really good. Uh, dried fruits, raisin, plum fig is what you're trying to get out of it. Yeah. Highly recommend. It's very limited edition as these anniversary beers are, but yeah. Great. So you have a, <laughs> you have two barley wines and an IPA <laughs> tonight. So it's going to go really well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim, what do you got for your Tim bit this week? Well, uh, Alex was talking to me uh, earlier about how he's going to the Emirates. And so coming in the next coming months, and I was just kind of wondering, like I kind of wanted to quiz him about what his, I, what he's planning on doing while asking you like Caleb what's your like if you had a chance to go to the Emirates and see uh, Arsenal Live what would your ideal day be like how would you go about it like what would you do for a, a, a game day okay so, Al- Alex why don't you lead off uh, well, I can tell you what my our general plan is because I'm going with my cousin who's a Liverpool fan so if, <laughs> yeah if he wasn't like a brother to me trust me it wouldn't different um <laughs> but we're going to go see arsenal play leeds at the emirates so that'll be cool for a multitude of reasons it's good to see mckenny aronson and tyler adams play and also arsenal you know, yeah of course but like there's another side to it and uh i mean i've heard the atmosphere is better there than it has ever been so and you can't even get tickets luckily my cousin has a friend who splits a season ticket with his sister somehow. And I don't know. It's someone to someone. Yeah. <laughs> One of those things. And then, uh, I mean, I, I'm probably going to go there hours before and wander around with like my mouth hanging open type, type of deal. And probably go to a pub, get a few too many pints. And, uh, I just kind of join the, atmosphere i guess start and probably lose my voice is also probably what's gonna happen yeah i mean do you know any of the songs like are you i'm hip to some of them i mean or like some of the newer ones at least like uh the smith rose rocking all over the world the emma smith rose song, yeah. song is a great one sleeve of song is a good one <laughs> but also like all the classics are you know 
yeah. there. And there's that whole new anthem they're trying to instill. Um, What's the anthem? It's the, the blood through the yeah North London Forever. Yeah, the North yeah. London Forever song. Yeah, I think they've been trying to get that going. Nice. I mean, how are you like so? As someone who watches soccer in the U.S. and I go regularly go to Sounders games, uh, and you can have beers in your hand while watching the game. I've, I'm going to, I would find it weird. I think to like, spend, <laughs> what do I do with my hands? Yeah, exactly. 45 <laughs> minutes without being able to drink a beer. And then there's the mad dash to the concessions, right? So you can get one. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, over there, it's probably for the best. Um, I mean, I, I, I lived in England for two years when I was a teenager and I went to a couple Chelsea games, yeah. which is weird. Um, but I got to see Drogba play and be part of that atmosphere back then. And it was amazing back then. I'm sure it's, still just as amazing now but, yeah i mean there, there'll be plenty of pints before and after and maybe in between <laughs> <laughs> no that sounds awesome i'm super jealous what would be uh your game day uh ritual Taylor? i i think i think it includes some pies it includes several pints <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to get I, I think i would i would definitely get there plenty early to hit several pubs nearby um, and I, it, it is weird cause I, I, I'm used to like what like a Sounders game is like and kind of, there's some, some structure to it. Like <laughs> as far as like you get drunk, you hit the, <laughs> you hit the, um, uh, the March to the match and, and that it just kind of progresses. And then you, you drink some more when you get to the stadium and like, I kind of know how that goes. Whereas like, this would be a lot more free form, um, and and trying to just kind of feel out the crowd and and make sure I get in there on time because like just I don't know anytime you're at a new stadium you got to you, you tend to want to get in there early and and take in the atmosphere and I'd probably spend way too much money on on gear around, <laughs> around there as yeah, well. That, that's also what I'm worried about. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so after a few drinks, that sounds like a good idea. So I'm sure that would be um, just a money pit for me. Um. But yeah, I think I think it's all about some some greasy food and some pints like that. You got to have that that as your um, your baseline to get the game started. And hopefully you can kind of keep that that buzz going consistently throughout the game without faltering. So somehow you have to <laughs> you said race to the concourse, get just enough to get you through that second <laughs> half. And uh, and uh, hopefully that that's enough. Yeah, it's funny when I went to uh, games in Sweden, they don't sell full alcohol beer that you can't get uh above 3.5 percent but they do sell 3.5 percent beers that you can bring on and i think that's a good compromise like you you're not getting the full like getting wasted but like uh you have that like little bit of little bit of beer there's, there's something about soccer and beer in your hand that i might i, I feel is, uh, i don't know they go hand in hand yeah exactly. <laughs> somehow <laughs> I'm I, whenever I watch games at a bar, I'm such a, like a nervous drinker. It's like if, if stuff's <laughs> happening, I'm just yeah. like I, I'm subconsciously just reaching for my drink constantly to take sips. And before I know it, I look down and my drink's gone. And you know we're 15 minutes into the game or something. So <laughs> yeah, I'm guilty of that as well. Yeah, I mean the, the the closest I ever got to going to an Arsenal game is I, I was in London when Arsenal was playing Bolton, and I tried to get tickets. But the ticket would have cost me the more than my entire budget that I had had planned out for staying in London. 
<laughs> so I was like, I, yeah, I can't, I, I can't do that. So I ended up going to the Gunner pub, which is across the street from the old, uh, uh, Highbury ground. It was the place that people used to go to back in the day. And it was great because I watched the game with a bunch of people who could also not afford tickets to the game. And <laughs> <laughs> it was a ton of fun. Uh, I believe we won, uh, two nothing if i remember correctly it was a fun time and i had a, a great time but if if you if you're there check out the gunner pub they're awesome yeah i've also heard the tollington it's another mm. pretty popping spot before the game is what it's like people can't even get in there it's so busy, yeah especially nowadays <laughs> but highbury is definitely another place that i'm planning on going to just to walk around and yeah check it out I mean, that's what I did is I just walked around Highbury. There's a couple pictures of me around because it was like two. I think I was there two years after High, they had moved to the Emirates. So it was kind of like I'd, I'd known Highbury as the, the the stadium that I watched. And it was it was it was nice to go there and 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 see it. Pay homage. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is almost like a pilgrimage, I guess, in, yeah. in a way. I'm so jealous. And I, I, I hear talk that you might be uh, going to a Wrexham game, too. That still has to be decided because, like, the tickets don't go on sale yet. So I have to wake up at like two in the morning to like try to buy tickets. Um, yeah, what's the, what's the deal? Are they just they're they're holding them back to like one or two weeks before the games? It just yeah, to it control it a little bit. I get that seems to be what they're doing, um, or maybe that's just how that league does things. I'm not totally sure uh, of the process, but I mean, me and my cousin already bought memberships to Wrexham so that we could buy tickets. And that's just <laughs> wow. like 20, it's 20 bucks for a year. So it's really nothing. But, uh, so I, I think like soon we have to wake up early and buy them. I wonder how many or how much money they're making from people just buying memberships with the, just to get the opportunity, <laughs> but no, like, you know, no intention or no ability to actually do it. Yeah. I mean, they, they're playing some really entertaining games. So those oh. FA Cup games they've played pretty fun to watch yeah i will actually I've been pressed. be in liverpool <laughs> <laughs> i'm very curious to see where they can go because i think that um for them the the limitation is um the amount of time it takes to actually climb through the leagues like they're right. putting a ton of money into that team but it's going to take them years for that that level of talent to actually balance out with where they what their league level and i i'm just interested i know this is not a rexon podcast but i I, I know it's just i mean like as americans there's like some kind of attachment interest there yeah yeah i'm I'm just interested to uh to see how people in england react to them because like right now i know that there's a couple if you're in the league that they're in, they're kind of mad at every at Rexon because like, you know, uh, uh, Paul Mullins should not be playing in that league. And it's just right. that they bought money or they paid him a lot of money to go down mm-hmm. with the idea of the exposure that he's getting right now. And everyone knows his name across the world now because of that documentary. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, uh, there, there's, I, I do feel there's going to be some backlash on that. But I think I do think the owners are doing it the right way. They're, I guess maybe they're the Chelsea of that league, Chelsea of the National <laughs> League, but controversial, <laughs> or City or Newcastle of that league. But yeah. but they, they they have like these artificial limitations in that you can you can overspend, but only to a point because at some point you're very upside down. 
Yeah. Like there's no way you're going to make it back in ticket sales. There's no way you're going to make it back in television deals. There's there, that doesn't exist for you. So even if you could spend millions of dollars on amazing players and get them to come down to your team, you're never going to make that back. You're just going to have to eat that cost. Oh yeah. I think they're eating that cost with like uh, Hulu. I think the Hulu is definitely paying for a lot of that team. Yeah. And then they, they've got the TikTok sponsorship yeah. and also two owners that are, you know, fairly <laughs> rich. Well. Yeah. yeah. I think, man, I, I think they're, you, you compare their, their level compared to like a Todd Bowley and it's like, they, no. you're, you're kind of rich. You're just I mean, a little rich. We're, we're going to get into the transfer window. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on with that? But yes. Well, bringing it back to Arsenal, we're actually going to try to get to the Arsenal Liverpool game at Anfield. Oh, same sweet. trip. Cause it's the next week. Do you have a lines on tickets for that? Uh, I mean, they're still for sale. We're just seeing if it price drops a little bit because it's roughly 300 pounds oh. give or take kind of depending which, jesus so yeah. that's about like 400 dollars, like 350 yes yeah, right something around there oh. but then rexham's only like a 45 minute train ride from anfield or liverpool i didn't realize that yeah ah, i mean this would be a, an interesting tidbit i'm i'm stealing more timbit what is the price that you'd pay <laughs> to watch arsenal what's the highest price you'd pay to watch a, a regular season or something uh, depends on the opponent doesn't it, it i does. mean I'm not going to pay that much to see a cra- play see them play a crappy team. Cuz like my limit was a, and this was 10 years ago or whatever. It was $200 to see them play Bolton and I just I I and I was also very poor at the time. I could just not justify $200 to see them play. Yeah, Bolton too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but if it was like I was going over there and that was my only opportunity, I'd probably yeah. I probably wouldn't care too much. I'd, I'd prices, probably prices of no, no issue. Yeah, <laughs> almost. Well, because I mean, like, where where is that Liverpool f- game falling in the season? Uh, it's April eleventh. Oh yeah, around like there. So that's like it could be very decisive in some ways as well. True. Like very true. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, the the other thing is the old firm derby is the same day, oh. and we'll be in Scotland right before that. Uh, definitely go see that. That, well, that that's even more expensive. Yeah, it's like that's that's the kind of price from like it's like almost a thousand pounds. No, don't that. see that. Go to a, Exa- go to exactly. a pub right next door and <laughs> soak in the atmosphere. Because yeah, that, but I mean, like it, it, it's funny. Like when you see the like go to the rivalries because like the Old Firm Derby is like one of like four rivalries that oh, you have to yeah. see in your life if you can check it off. <laughs> if only, right. You just need to, they need like a soccer pass. You can just buy <laughs> whatever game you want. A season's pass to soccer. Uh-huh. soccer. <laughs> well, you know how you go into the other cities and they have those like tourism passes where you can just like hit the zoos and all the museums and stuff. I just want that equivalent. Oh, totally. <laughs> but anyway, right. we, should, we should probably talk about Arsenal. We, should, yeah, we probably. probably should. Uh, they did have a game and it, we we talked about it being um a potential big game as far as it was our first opportunity to see Arsenal and Man City play each other this season and the questions go going into last week were what what sort of teams were we going to see Pep and Arteta put out uh and i, I got to i got to say i was a little a little surprised to see Arteta <laughs> put out the team that he did. Well, uh, Tim, what, what did you think of that lineup? 
I, it was funny because like you saw kind of the opposite strategies, which Arteta rotated more than I thought he was going to. I mean, you have to, whereas Pep put his full lineup in and it was like, I, as I said, the, I'm, I wasn't all in on the FA cup. We've won in the last couple of years. I'm, I'm a okay with us not playing more games this season. So I was, I was happy to see the rotation that happened. Uh, I was interested to see like holding was a, the first name that jumped out when I saw that lineup. I'm like, Ooh, holding against Holland. <laughs> like that'll be a fun, <laughs> fun matchup. Uh, what do you think, Alex? I mean, that's what stood out to me too, is holding against Holland. I was like, Oh God. I mean, San got his number last year and that didn't go well. So, and Holland's a way scarier player. So, <laughs> I mean, I was even, I think I mentioned somebody, I was like, this isn't going to go well, but he, <laughs> I mean, he surprised me. He yeah. played him really physical and kind of, I don't know if he got in his head, but he seemed like he threw him off just enough to kind of negate him enough. Even though he scared me, Turner had to come out and save him that one time. Yeah. But I mean, Holland didn't score a goal, so. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and you, Caleb? Yeah, I, with the, with the rotation, I was definitely, um, I, I I had to take a different approach in my mentality as far as the way that game was going to go. Um, and I was like, okay, I think I think I have to be okay with with not moving forward in the FA Cup. And and it wasn't that I thought we were going to get blown out of the water. I just felt like it was it was going to be tough, like putting that that starting lineup out. And if they went behind it all, I just didn't really see us climbing back into the the driver's seat in the second half because Man City can definitely shut games down if they if they want to. Um, so I, I felt like if we didn't get our uh, foothold in the game early, it was probably a, a throw in the towel sort of game. Do you think that this was like a, a the kind of the first round of a chess match because we are going to be playing City two more times? where City threw out their full lineup and Arteta was like, nah, I'm just going to do like mostly the full lineup, but not the full lineup. Do you think this is a little bit of gamemanship from uh, Arteta? Mm. That's tough because we, we had that question last week where, you know, like, do you, do you kind of play your cards close to the vest and um, try to save something for the, the next couple games? But uh, I was thinking, I was really thinking Arteta likes to win everything. And so I... I I was quite surprised um, with that that approach, but uh, maybe there was some some thought behind it as far as not not wanting to go all out and and show everything we have. But I think ultimately the tape is out there. You know, there's not there's not a mm-hmm. whole lot that like uh, Guardiola is going to look at what Arsenal does and and recognize it because it's very similar to some of the tactics that he puts out. Um, so it's really about how how your team performs on the day. And I think um, the the best thing to come out of this was the fact that we could put out that team and still hang in there. There was no... It, it didn't feel like it was going to be a blowout. It didn't feel like we were going to get played off the field. Um, so even with the, the rotated players, I felt like that... Um, Arsenal were, were pretty much in it the whole game. It just wasn't um, maybe the, the the clash of the Titans that we had hoped it would be. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seemed like a good test, you know, 
to kind of see mm-hmm. how the matchup would go. But I think like yeah, even with the rotated side, we still made it difficult and had moments. And I mean, it kind of makes us, you know, maybe not as scared or nervous about the next game against them since we kind of have already felt them out a little bit and then we can put out our strongest 11 and see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it is a, a thing where like three years ago, four years ago, we would be, I mean, shit in our pants <laughs> playing this game. Like we're like, please don't beat us five nil. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's just being honest. Like we're among friends yeah. here. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, it, to, 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 have not our strongest lineup and really play a game that was fairly even, you know, it was, it was one goal. It was a great goal. I know we'll go into it more, but it wasn't, we weren't, I didn't feel outclassed that game. I mean, it was the most boring game I've watched in several, (laughs) several weeks, but we weren't outclassed for, for that game, even facing their, their, their first lineup with, I would say like what an A minus lineup. It's not our starting lineup, but it wasn't like we, put it in all our scrubs like it yeah maybe like b plus a minus yeah. territory yeah. yeah i mean really the you, you had Trissard coming in on yeah. the left you had vera coming in in the midfield uh tamiyasu holding and tyranny in the back and turner who i think i think if you look at this this lineup the the two that would stand out and make me nervous would be holding and turner and I didn't, I didn't like outside of holdings, a couple, <laughs> couple stumbles and, and, uh, the, the ultimate yellow card, you know, he, he wasn't too bad. Uh, Turner, I think played also better than I expected and, and held, <laughs> held his own in this one. Yeah. He's starting to look better with the ball, with his feet than, uh, he's like picking it up quicker than I thought he might. Um, I know that wasn't his strongest suit when he joined. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, as a, cup keeper i think turner is definitely like he's not going to be pushing ramsdale anytime soon but uh as if you're a u.s national team fan you're going to be liking his development and i don't think the drop-off from it's not the drop-off from uh from uh ramsdale to runerson you know what i mean like right <laughs> that was a little scarier <laughs> well just a little and so uh, i felt confident with uh turner back there I love seeing Tommy also get get a uh, minutes. I I Tommy also is one of my favorite players, and see him get minutes. I like when I see him get the field. I don't get nervous. I, he's just a you know a different style of play, but I don't think he's a huge. I don't think he's a drop off actually at all from uh, uh, anyone else in his position. So or White in his position. So yeah, yeah if he had scored that volley, that would have been oh. amazing. <laughs> He got, he got all of that one too. Uh, that, yeah. was, that was a solid strike. But I, I felt like, uh, you know, get, getting Trissard into his first start for the team, I, I was pretty, pretty impressed with some of his, his movement in the box and his ability to create space. And a lot of the things that he shows that he can do uh, look like really good assets to have for this team. I think he's going to be um, a nice compliment to, either come off the bench or get the occasional start, uh, especially to push Martinelli as we um, get into the second half of the season after the World Cup. We've seen a little bit uh, less from Martinelli. Like, not that he's playing poorly or anything, but I think he's he's definitely feeling um, 
he, he's feeling the effects of not having Jesus to play off of. And I think Trissard does a looked like he was doing a bit more to create in that first half uh, opportunities for himself. Well, I mean, like, I sorry if I uh, jumped over anyone's foot, but uh, I actually had this conversation with uh, another uh, friend of the podcast, Jordo, and we were talking about like, there's a little bit about when Marnell is on the field, he's kind of taking the double teams. Like, mm-hmm. teams are looking at him and going, like, he's a threat. So when he's on the field, there he's taking a lot of the uh, the heat, especially you know with Jesus being out. Because, uh, you, you know, the teams are always looking at who are we going to double team, who are we going to focus on. And I think when you have Martin Alley on the field, it means that there's going to be openings in other places. And I think the way when you have Trissard there, they, the teams aren't focused on him as much. And we get to see Trissard do his things. And I, I especially like, I think he petered out. But the first 20 minutes of his performance in this game, I thought were pretty, he was pretty open to do his things. And I'm excited to see what he does forward. Yeah, I mean, looks like Trossard really just like fits right in. Like, didn't really miss a beat. Jumped right in the squad and picked. Like, looks like he's been there for months, honestly. Yeah, I mean, but I, like Man U game, Martinelli was getting double teamed, and I feel like he was just like always looking at two United defenders, and he would just pass it back, and he never really got a chance. And I don't know if it's because he's not getting the overlap or the underlap as much. Uh, compared to like where Saka and Odegaard and even Kedia kind of hover over into that right side area. So mm-hmm. I just don't know if he gets quite as much, um, you know, help on the left there. And I think that's a, the thing about the the buying of uh, Chassard and we'll get into transfer business and our, our grade of the transfer window, but Chassard is someone who's hitting the, the ground running, you know, he knows this league. Like you don't have to, like you're going to have to teach him the Arsenal way and everything like that and get the uh, relationship with the players, but he knows how to play in this league and it's not playing against uh, any team is not going to be a surprise to him. Yeah. So second half of this, this game, we saw a couple, couple players come out, uh, holding, holding goes out with the yellow card, uh, gets swapped out with um, Saliba, uh, who came in, looked very comfortable against Holland. I thought like that was um, maybe a, a, a better matchup as far as the, the, the skill set that Saliba has. He can definitely shut down, shut down that sort of player if he, if he has the um, support around him. And, and I think he, uh, he, he acquitted himself well there. Uh, and then, uh, the uh, the other one that was maybe a little concerning was was party coming out um, at the half with a, an apparent rib rib injury it, it looked like uh, which I think every single Arsenal fan if if there's any hint <laughs> of injury for party is sitting at the edge of their seat chugging their beers whatever whatever your nervous habit is uh, it was definitely had every every fan. Um, waiting with bated breath until the end of the game to find out what actually had happened to him. Uh, did you guys feel like the game changed a lot in the second half for you? Uh, what did you think, Alex? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the drop-off in quality from Part A to Lakanga is definitely a pretty big step down. Um, also, he hasn't had a lot of playing... Lakanga hasn't had a lot of playing time. And... It's probably having some other, you know, confidence issues and things like that. But um, 
and he's probably he's really not a bad player. He's just not really fitting in at the moment, which is, I mean, we'll get onto his loan. But yeah, I think the midfield is different without Partey in there. I think he's probably our most important player, and we miss him more than pretty much anyone else. He's not on the field. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been obvious for a while, and especially looking at like you know the injury to uh, El Neni that like there is a hole in the midfield when when party leaves and party as you said was just is he's just a, such an important cog to the midfield in the same way that I think uh, Jaka is in a different way and uh, you that was my hope coming out of this game is we weren't going to get injuries we weren't going to get you know too many players battered up and yeah, I just, uh, I, Lakonga, like, I like Lakonga. I want him to do well. I feel, I feel for the boy, but it, it just really does go back to really see him in the all or nothing documentary where his head was down that first year when he wasn't getting minutes. And you saw it, like, I think it was in Kedia who was like, why do you have a, a frown on your face? And he was like, I did not get any minutes. And Kedia was like, yeah, we all aren't getting minutes. Like, buck up, buddy. Yeah, and look how that's worked out for Enkedia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it it, uh, I, it may seem small, but I, that just little attitude change, I think, could make a huge difference for him. And once you kind of get on that track, I think it's hard to get out of it, especially once you're, uh, once you're in that position where you're not getting the playing time and the the minutes that you do get, you're you're feeling like you have to perform and and prove yourself. So he he get kind of caught in this loop of um kind of putting too much pressure on yourself to really get the the best out of out of your your playing time so it, it for him to come in and have to replace party at the half i think it, it on one hand he's probably really excited to get that opportunity on the other hand it's it, like a huge amount of pressure to put on a player's shoulders who i i i still don't know if he is the the guy that's going to be a, a party replacement. I'm not sure that that's really his best position. I think he is better at moving the ball. He's better with the ball at his feet and not necessarily uh, an amazing defensive midfielder or distributor, which, you know, a party is, excels at. I just don't see them being like for like players. So when you're putting somebody in and say, hey, go do this thing that only one player on our team can really do, I nobody's going to really be able to step up and do that in a in a good way cold off the bench i think that's going to be challenging for anybody yeah and i mean i don't know if anyone else is playing that party role better than him in the league right now yeah yeah 100 percent. and I, I think we talked about this alex uh at the bar which is just like you know you look at a uh, el nenny and he's so happy to be at the team and he knows his role and he's just so happy to play that role and I think Lukonga has that opportunity to be that person and knows that he's not going to be a starter. And I think he probably should have known that when he was bought, that he's not going to be that starter. And to to play a role that's different, like when you put in El Nani, it's a different role from party, right? When you put in El Nani, you know you're trying to close out the game. He's going to make the sideways and backwards passes and not be uh, bad with the ball. And Lukonga could carve out that space, but it just doesn't seem like when he gets these opportunities, he excels. And 
you, you can be great at, you can have all the talent in the world. You can be great at practice and whatever, but when you have these opportunities, you have to grab them by the throat. And I, I've yet to see Lukonga grab an opportunity by the throat. Yeah. Agreed. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure, and I think he'll, I think Vieira will maybe get what could be the best out of him, mm-hmm. especially like if you can ask for a, a better teacher, but then we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we do have to finish this game and I, I'm, I hated this game. It was a, such the <laughs> most boring game to watch of all time. But uh, 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 Ake scored that goal. It was a goal. What you, like, what, what it happened. Yeah, it, it was a goal. Yeah, I, I, you could look at that and say maybe the uh, Conca could have maybe stepped in to do something. But I don't know. It's just it's it's hard to hard to pin it on anybody. But just kind of a it was an opportunistic goal for for Ake. It's well placed. I mean, just outside of Turner's fingers, like right inside the post. It's it's a good pass to Ake too from Garylish. I mean, yeah, it, it happened. Yeah, I mean, like I, I literally don't have much to say. I've rewatched that goal. I'm like, yeah, it was a goal. I don't, I like, like I, I think overall, what you can say is neither team really cared about this game. If you watch, if you watch that game. <laughs> I don't think any any either team was really that invested in this because like both teams have bigger things like uh, City has the league and Champions League to worry about. I think Arsenal is really all in in the league and league position at this point. And while you want to win every game and the FA Cup is the third most to fourth most important competition, but that says it all. It's third to fourth most important competition. I think after about the set, I, I, you know, I was hoping maybe we'd get a quick, uh, you know, uh, a- answer the answer that goal quickly and and maybe get back into it. But when it didn't come together that way, I was like, all right, I don't want the I don't want the replay. I don't yeah. want to go down that road. So if we can't win win this thing outright, then it's best just. <laughs> lose and move on yeah i mean that that that's what i was saying when I was, I was watching the game live and i'm like hanging out with people i'm like my worst case scenario is we draw this game <laughs> yeah <laughs> straight up absolutely like, it's rather, a punishment that's just yeah. cruel yeah. that was actually gonna be my timbit before I, we were going to talk about it. it was just like do you actually enjoy the replay like do you think it's antiquated or like do you want to have replays in in this game it wouldn't be hard to just not do that. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just not? <laughs> well, like someone, like I, we have a lot of people at the bar that like we play soccer all the time, like literally all the time at the bar. And so there's a lot of people that don't know. And you're explaining like, you know, the Wrexham game, for example, and you're explaining replays. And one of them was asking, does anywhere else in the world do replays? And I don't think any other competition, any other place in the world does replays. I'm not really sure why it's necessary as opposed to extra time and penalties and other yeah. ways to decide or do a, a two-legged series. Like I, 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 I don't think there's anywhere or any other competition that does this that way. And I mean, it comes from the 1800s. Like this is like a back in the day thing, and it, I guess it's cool in that way. But does it enhance the competition to do it that way? My my cousins. Liverpool fan and I remember when they played Wolves and they tied he was like 
This is worst case scenario. <laughs> mm. I, the last thing I want is to play another game that doesn't matter for, you know, because the FA Cup's just not on. I mean, it should be on his radar as a Liverpool fan right now. Yeah. But for us, it's. <laughs> <laughs> but for us, I mean, we have bigger problems, like you said, Europa League and the actual league. Yeah. So I think to sum this up, it was a game. It happened. Mm-hmm. It would have been cool to win, but I'm not too upset. Uh, Tim, what do you think the takeaways are as we go into the next game with Man City? Do you feel like this informed you at all? I think the information, like, it informed me that, like, I'm all, I always have this, like, uh, as an Arsenal fan, as an Arsenal fan, as an Arsenal fan for <laughs> quite some time, I always have this, like, feeling, again, we're among friends, that we're inferior <laughs> to the these teams, you know, that, like, we can't go toe-to-toe. We've had those horrible losses to city to united to you know uh, chelsea and it the takeaway i say is that we we can go toe-to-toe with this city team and i don't think we have to be afraid the next two games it may not go our way we may lose but we're not going to lose five nil you know and so i'm I mean, I say that, and then, of course, we're going to lose 5-0 because that's how this works. <laughs> but uh, but I, like, I, I do feel we can go toe-to-toe, and at least in our starting lineup, we are the equals mm-hmm. of this, this, this city team, and there's nothing to fear about it. Unless Holland yeah. gets on his thing and yeah. does a hat trick, but... <laughs> We don't, we don't talk. Well, we don't talk about it. <laughs> what was your takeaway, Alex? I mean, yeah, like you were saying, I think we can go toe-toe with them. The fear, the, yeah, the fear's not, maybe not there anymore. And I mean, if anyone knows City, it's Arteta mm-hmm. and how they play. So, I mean, you have an expert on how City play. Got a little test against him. Didn't play our strongest. So, I mean, I, even if we, even if we went at home and they went at home, nothing really changes. No. So, and we're playing so well at home. I mean, I'd, I'd put the chips on us to win at home. Maybe if, even if we get a tie at the Etihad, I think that's, oh. that's a good sign. My dream scenario is two ties because <laughs> like for me, it's like we have, it's a five point differential and I'm looking at those two city games as six points, right? If they win it, that, that, that swings it in the other direction. And I think versus the rest of the league, and we've kind of proven it at this point, we 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 can compete, but it's those six points. If we can take four points, if we can take two points and make sure City's not creeping up on us, that's that's the dream scenario. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I also felt like even though we weren't paying, playing our best team, um I still felt like Man City looked a little slow. Mm-hmm. Like they're def- they definitely feel like even with Holland and um, some of their other uh, newer players, I feel like you know uh, De Bruyne is still good and still deadly, but not quite as pacey as he could be in the midfield. Like his his reaction, and it, it could just be the the lethargy that comes from playing the FA Cup and not not yeah. giving a shit, but. Um, you know, it, they just didn't look. They didn't look that dangerous, like at, at any point. And I, I maybe it's just maybe it is just that 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 FA Cup uh, malaise. But um, I, I felt like our best team 
is is a much younger, faster. It's like the speed of thought and speed of play. Just I think we are a little bit more adept to that at this point. Like I, I feel like there is a um, on our best day, there's a little bit more to our game than than what we saw in this game. And and I think that that'll be a big change when we we do go to play them again. I have two hot takes about City, which I'm gonna throw out there. Which is uh, n- the number one, probably easier hot take is that they're they don't care about the league as much as we do this year. Mm-hmm. Their their big thing is the uh, Champions League. They need to like get that monkey off their back, especially with the money that's been invest- invested in the last 15 years for them. Uh, my second hot take is that Odegaard is better than De Bruyne right now. And that's just an Arsenal hot take, I guess. Like it's definitely a rose-colored glasses, but I don't know if that's a hot take. You might, I mean, you're right. As far as like inform attacking midfielders, I think no one's better in the league right now than him. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at the career of of De Bruyne, he's still one of the best ever to play that position. But where Odegaard is at now, and what his he has the potential to do over the next few years, I I could see him surpassing surpassing him in stats and just stature in the, in the game given given some time with this team. Well, and I think also the uh the World Cup did not do Odegaard any favors. I think the like if you mm-hmm. li- listen to how he was interviewing during the World Cup, he was super jaded about the Belgian national team. Mm-hmm. And he, De Bruyne, I think he knows where his skills at and he knows where he is at. But like when you talk, when you listen to his interviews about the, the world cup, he gave no shits about the world cup. And I know it was like part of the uh, Belgian national team, but I think that's bleeding over a little bit to his form at Chelsea, which is like, he's, he's, he's kind of realizing the world's bigger than soccer. He has bigger things to do. And I, I, I think there's a little bit of a drop off and you know, he has time now and he's De Bruyne is one of my favorite players in the world. Like if I take my Arsenal card glasses off, he's one of my favorite players of all time. But in this moment, I think there is a little bit of a weakness and I think there's a little bit, there isn't as much hunger with city in the league and you see it in how they play. The fact that they, the, 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 the losses and the draws that they've had have not been great for them, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think the aura around City is definitely diminished a little bit. They're not like the same machine, like well oiled machine. I mean, they still are, but not quite to the extent they have in the past four or five years. Yeah, um, and there's definitely seems to be a little vulnerability there. They've almost become a little one dimensional with just trying to like get the ball to Holland. Um, maybe when Foden and Grealish really, I mean, they are starting to click, so that's a little worrying, but when that front three for them maybe starts coming together a little more, that's when they'll really start to click even more, which is a scary thought. But I mean, right now it's all just get the ball to Holland and see what he does. It seems like. And break all scoring records. Like uh, there, there's a, if we were a uh, general soccer podcast, I would uh, go and start talking about a city and uh, if they're better with a uh, Holland or not, but that's a discussion for another <laughs> podcast, I think. But uh, I, I kind of want to move on from this game and uh, start talking about the Everton game. I, I got to make one last point before okay. we move on. Okay. I got to wonder what this team would look like with, with Jesus and Zinchenko in it. I mean, like they, when you talk about the 
the dynamism that they have brought to Arsenal, it's kind of what City looks like they're missing right now. And so I think we stole their thunder a little bit. I have opinions about uh, Zinchenko and Jesus, which is, I think you're dead on with Zinchenko, like, uh, or with uh, Jesus, or Jesus. Sorry, Jonathan Kingman, now let's say. Try not to. Uh, uh, I think Enkedia is my New Year's resolution of being nicer to Enkedia. And uh, I've been very well. But I think in a matchup like City, you have Jesus attacking the way that Jesus attacks, where it's much more not being a fox in the box, not being a, a, a traditional number nine, but being a more ball playing player he's gonna he's gonna make some opportunities for himself and you know Zinchenko is in my opinion one of the buys of last uh transfer window that goes so under the radar and I think all of us forgot about it because we were all excited about Jesus and we're like oh yeah we also get this you know right backy midfielder guy and when you when you play teams like City and when we get to the Champions League knock him with hopefully uh you're going to be playing teams that are going to set up against us differently and set up like city does and i think the jenchenkos and the jesus's of the world are going to uh put us in a better stead yeah i mean they only bring positives to the team they're both i mean you can tell they're winners like they've won a city you can tell just by zenchenko's attitude all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> he wants to win he's always trying i mean i saw a picture of jesus with the uh, cleats on again today mm. so he's already back on uh back on the grass i guess which is a good sign i just don't want to like rush him back and have some kind of you know setback with that yeah. that would just be awful yeah that is the fear is like, can, can you stop him from, from hurting <laughs> himself again somehow but I think the nice part is like, unlike when we've done what, what we've done with party in the past, where you've, you've, we've had to rush him back a little bit because we just don't have a good replacement. At least Enkedia has filled in nicely and, and knock on wood Enkedia goes injury free until Jesus is back. But I mean, that would be the only scenario I could see where they'd want to rush, rush him back a little bit as if Enkedia had an injury that came up and, uh, I hate. I don't even want to think about the scenario, but it, it's uh, that that would be the the one time the one one time I would like maybe want to see Jesus push to come back a little bit sooner than later. But he yeah. he seems to be ahead of schedule as it is. Well, I mean, and for me too. Like I was listening to a podcast about uh, traditional strikers. I'm not going to go down that road as well. But uh, hmm. one of the things is it. it I've started to appreciate that Enkedia is that like old school fox in the box. You give him the ball and he's going to score that, that, that thing. He's not necessarily going to be the creator of the, uh, of the uh, opportunity, but he's going to be the one that puts it in the net. And it's great because I think Jesus is different where he creates his opportunities. And it just means that we have more options when we look at a team and how we break it down, or when Arteta looks at a team and when they were going to break it down, he can choose Enkedia or Jesus and really make that decision of what he wants to do, how he thinks that's how the defense is going to react to these players. And yeah, 
I'm 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 very excited about this striking chord to the future. Mm-hmm. And we played totally different with Encadia and Jesus in the front because mm-hmm. Jesus is literally everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen a striker run around that much, but you can tell Encadia kind of hovers to the right and plays a soccer and Odegaard and leaves Martin. And whereas Jesus will come and play with Martinelli all the time because they have that. I mean, call it a Brazilian connection, but like yeah. they they know how to play with each other. I think we were going to talk about this in a minute, but I, I want to insert it here since we're talking about our strikers. Um, Balogun, who's been <laughs> ripping the, the French yeah. league to shreds. Uh, I think he is the current league leader in scoring, uh, only behind Holland and uh, um, Kane Japan, I think. Yeah. At, at this moment, um, as far as European leagues. Uh some people will say it's just the French league and you know, it, I, I don't know. He's, he's still, he's still playing better than Mbappe. He's still, he's playing in a league with Messi. He's playing with some, some high profile players. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out next season. When you have the three of them available to you, uh, who, who do you think is the odd man out when, when you, when all, all things are laid out on the table. I I don't want to get rid of any of them. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. That's the that's problem. A real, real <laughs> tough situation for and, sure. And, and Balogun's playing for middle of the table rain and he's leading score and they're not like a spectacular team. They're six, 11 and four. Yeah. Um, but he's, I mean, I remember watching or like hearing about him when Kitty was coming up and then I watched him a little bit and I was like, he's, he looks big. He's like, looks really strong for like an 18 year old kid. And he's like, all he needed was some time, like playing like a real league and start and kind of like, you know, see what first team football is like. But I think he'll, I think he's super promising and I think he could be better than Nakedia. So I, I don't want to see him leave it. I mean, even though we need money, it would be, it would be painful to sell him. I mean, I'm I'm going to take the fifth on the, uh, the who do we sell because I'm being nice. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, when you talk about the French league too, though, it is one of the more defensive leagues in when you're looking at Europe. Like as far as the the structure, France tends to be more defensive. So if you have a striker that can really start scoring against. The French defenses, it's a good thing. And you see the uh, the quality of strikers that have come out of the uh, French League, which like is, you know, Henri and, you know, Mbappe, Mbappe Drogba, like Giroud. Giroud. Which, <laughs> God, Giroud is... Oh, I was just thinking about this when I was closing the other day, which is that Giroud is one of the most underrated strikers that has ever played in the Premier League. All that man does is score that. goals and like, He's deserved hit tying the record for the French national team. He scores goals. He's just not pretty. Mm. Some are pretty. Some are very pretty. Some are very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and so I think it's a, a good sign to have a, a young striker tearing it up in the French league. And as you said, with his physicality, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about having these players, especially coming from within because you know, and we're going to get into transfer business hopefully soon, but, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not going to be able to afford to spend five, half a billion 
pounds on players like some other teams are doing. So we have to build it from it within. <laughs> yeah, the, the this is how you know he's he's making an impact in that today for the first time I saw the headline pop up on my phone from the the Fox Sports app, and it said. It it said something like, "What? Uh, who does for? Uh, who does Balogun pick for his national team? Oh yeah, because he is uh, English and American, and mm-hmm. so now the decision comes down to who 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 does he uh, ca- uh, tie himself to, and um, he's going to have direct competition with Enkedi. I think uh, Southgate has definitely um, got him on his radar, so uh, it, it is." It may come down to who has who has the most direct path to to starting minutes, and I would tend to think that uh, he he's got more opportunity with with the U.S. But who knows? I mean, this whole Gio Reyna saga is <laughs> has has blown up the whole U.S. national team basically. So who knows what what's going to happen after that? All that settles, but. Uh, maybe he comes swoops in and and comes riding in on his white horse and 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 uh ends up being a, a US national team hero. I mean uh do we want to talk about this Everton game? I feel like we have to at some point. <laughs> we have to say something about it. They're in shambles. <laughs> Sean Dyche is there to write the ship though. Right? Oh, Jesus. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean th- this is obviously the trap game, right? This yeah. is the game. Maybe. And you have a a team that's an absolute dumpster fire, which, you know, like multiple players, Batshuayi, I, I love Batshuayi, who they were trying to get from uh, Besiktas uh, in Turkey. Batshuayi's response to their, like, interest was, I don't want to play for a team that's not stable. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so they're, they're a dumpster fire. They got nobody in the window. They only let, pe- they let Gordon go, right? And yeah. I, I, they're a team in shambles, but there's always the new net manager bounce. And so, I mean, are you super confident in this game? No. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think the old Arsenal fan in me is like, oh man, this is this is written for us to screw up, right? Yeah. Um, but I think we've turned the corner. I think this is, especially coming off the, the Man City game, I think the the starting eleven is going to want to come in and and make sure that everybody understands where where this team is at and where we're going, uh, especially a player like Odegaard who kind of just had a a brief appearance in that that FA Cup game. I think he's going to, going to want to come in and and make up for lost time and and really uh, rally the team to to have a good performance. Yeah, and I mean we had we had a good run last season, I think, and then we ran into Everton at uh, Goodison, I think. And they were terrible. And for some reason, we—I can't remember exactly what happened in that game, but I think we lost at the last second. Um, and and we didn't need to lose that game. So I'm sure I'm sure there's some maybe harbor some feelings about that. At least I hope. And I mean, this is a game we should win. I mean, they're just yeah, like you said, they're a team in turmoil, and they've got their fans, you know, protesting outside the stadium. They're kind of at an all-time low, and just when you thought last season was an all-time low, so and I don't think Sean Dyche will. At least I hope Sean Dyche doesn't kind of like write their kind of ship before the game, and we just kind of dismantle them because I feel like we can. 
know. It's a game we should win. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who actually plays for them anymore. It will be. <laughs> oh, poor Wobi. I know. He's the first one I always think of. Calvert Lewin. Um, uh, they have. Is he healthy right now? I have no idea. Actually, I don't really pay attention to their like healthy stats or anything like that. But uh, I knew he had a bad injury. That's why. Uh, yeah, I mean, like the thing about him is they actually have a good team, and if that team, like, if you look at that player, like that, there's no way they should be getting relegated with that list of players. There's no way they should be in the discussion. But right now, it's just like, like I've watched the Premier League for what, 20, 30 years? God, has it been 30 years? Anyways, <laughs> a, a good chunk of time. I've, and I remember the Derby team, which is the worst team I've ever seen play the Premier League. Yeah. I've never been able to put a dumpster fire label on a team as much as you can on this Everton team. They are a dumpster fire right now. Which makes me think we're going to lose to them. Like that's just yeah. <laughs> they just aren't scoring goals. I mean, between their two forwards, they've got like two goals. I mean, they just I don't I don't know where what their game plan is right now. Oh, they've got Neil Mope. <laughs> Might get revenge. <laughs> yeah, literally between him and Calvert Lewin, they have two goals to show for the season. It's pretty bad. I remember Damari Gray scoring a very nice goal against us too, so he's got one in him if he wants. I, I've always had a time to pay for Damari Gray. Like I think he's actually a pretty handy player. But it, like again, like you're going to get the new manager bounce. Like I, I, to be honest, like if I'm trying to take off all my pessimism or whatever, I think Arsenal should win this game, but I think it'll be closer than we want. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I like see that. two one is what I'm I'm going to go with. With an Arsenal win, I can't escape my pessimism, though. You know, <laughs> it's always funny talking about games from like the old Arsenal fan, like starts creeping, like bubbling, like creeping out. Yeah, I'm like we're gonna, we're gonna find a way to mess this one up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but this is a, this is a different season. Like, I mean, I've been more optimistic this season than I've I know, maybe I've ever been, honestly. Right. I think, and I don't. I don't even know if the Man City game plays any role in it. But I think we would be we'd be riding pretty high if we had won that game, um, and and not. I, I think that would definitely be affecting how I feel going into this Everton match. Um, I think because we're Arsenal fans, we feel like any any knock to our confidence, any any derailment of you know winning or drawing every game is is an opportunity for the the negativity to, to seep into our consciousness and the team's consciousness and, and start, you know, eating away at us and, and making us regress back to the way we used to play. But I, I, it is, it's going to take more than one season for us to really buy into this new team and this new mentality because um, it, it's, we haven't quite done anything yet. We've shown promise, but we've had a good half season but until we see a season through and get get into Champions League or you know potentially win win the league, you know, I think it's it those those bad feelings are always going to be there until we can kind of have something to show show for it that that says we can actually do this. Yeah, I mean, we're at the halfway point, and I mean, at the beginning of the season, would anyone have predicted that we would have fifty points halfway through the season? Yeah. Although I would no. like to say that I uh, guess Jordo predicted uh we were going to win the league and i also put a prediction of uh winning the league so 
Look at you. I know. <laughs> not letting that, not letting that, uh, Arsenal pessimists like yeah. speak. <laughs> my my prediction was on surprising things that we thought would happen this season. Not the uh, actual <laughs> prediction. My actual prediction was uh, Champions League. But uh, yeah, that that was my top four. Really, uh, should we move on to uh, transfer window business? Because I feel like we have another hour to talk. About <laughs> <transfer> <laughs> <week>. <laughs> yeah, I think we can get through this. Though I think really, when you look at what what we did, um. We did. We did what we had to do. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it comes to, comes down to. Uh, it was. Um, it was overall. I think this window was was solid. But um, I think for for a lot of people, this maybe the 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 final day left a little bit to be desired. But um, let, let me ask you, Alex. What did what did you think of the 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 overall window, and then how how things. Um, ended up on the final day i mean i'm actually gonna just throw it on as a question from joe robinson sure that uh we got which is uh what grade would you give this transfer window i think for me like b b plus um probably like b plus i was i mean just to because we were smart about it we didn't overspend i mean kaiseido would have been great but also spending that much is also kind of hard to stomach when you think about the signings we want to make in the summer, um, bigger, more high profile signings, maybe. Um, so yeah, I mean, getting Jorginho in definitely left a bitter taste in my mouth. Cause I was never a bit the biggest <laughs> fan of him at Chelsea. <laughs> um, uh, but at the end of the day, he is a good player. We got him for a decent price. And for a short enough contract, he's like 31, 32. We're not giving him a three-year contract. And uh, so, I mean, we could even um, offload him this summer if that's how things work um, work out anyway. But I think he was a smart, like a smart signing, like a stopgap signing. Part A needs a rest. Uh, and someone to kind of like play Europa League. So, makes sense. And then Trossard was great. Fits right in. And then I don't know much about Kivior. Yeah. So we'll see. I think uh, for me, I, I think B plus is about right. B, B plus. Uh, we didn't get everything done we wanted to. Casado would have been awesome. Mudrick would have been awesome. But I also... I that was already this January. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, but uh, I hate this window as far as making actual signings. This window is about trying to fix your team to get wherever you're trying to go. I think if we were in fifth, fourth place trying to fight for that Champions League, we'd have a different window than we were looking at right now, which is we're less looking to consolidating Champions League's position as opposed to this is an awesome opportunity that it's 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 a once in a 10-year period that we are looking at winning the title. And we tried to go for some, like, I mean, I think Mudrik would have been of something for the next two years type of thing. Kaiseido was next two years. Those things just got thrown off the table between absolute shithousery with money, which I don't know what Chelsea is doing with money. And uh, uh, with Kaiseido, it was just Brighton didn't want to sell him. And that's like, it's fair enough. He's, he's their player. He doesn't have to sell him or they don't have to sell him. That is what it is. 
And so you have to go back to, cool, what's the next option? And they're looking, getting both Trissard and uh, Jorginho in is, it's a this season signing. Both of those are, we are looking to consolidate our run at the title. And especially Jorginho, he's won pretty much everything you can win outside of the World Cup. And he's won titles. He's a little bit older and he knows what it is. And it's like you talk about uh, Zinchenko and Jesus and what they bring. It's this winning mentality. And is Jorginho like the most sexy signing right now? No, but at 12 million, yes. We're not doing stupid things like signing Joao Felix on some stupid uh, loan deal. We're not uh, throwing stupid about some money on an eight-year contract for a player that's unproven in the uh, Premier League. Like, cool. I'm I'm down with this. And even if it doesn't pan out, it we didn't break the bank. We didn't do anything absolutely stupid. And we possibly put some places in, like with Trissard, at least the first two games that he's played in i'm like cool that was a great signing and you know 12 million we paid more for a lot more players than we paid mm-hmm. for Jorginho, and it's it's cover and i do think it's an up it's i mean i mean is anyone going to say that's not an upgrade on the congo i wouldn't say that i mean like he definitely is he is it for 12 million an upgrade on the congo and like yeah. having that cover for if party gets injured in a bad way even if Jaka gets injured, we have someone who's, you know, it's not, he's not going to be on the team in three years. Like, let's be honest, but he's going to be in here for the next couple of years. And at least this next six months of, of run, I'm fine with it. Yeah. We didn't get a, a grade A signing. We're going to have to do a little bit more work. And it's something we haven't talked about, which is the outgoing players. I think, that was also great what we did because you have to get rid of some of these players and we've moved some of these players on. Yeah, I think and it, you're, you you mentioned Lukonga, but I think Jorginho is really the cover we need right now for Elneny. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at the type of player that we're getting to replace Elneny, that's a huge, huge upgrade. I mean, like, I, I, I don't want to knock Elneny because he is, he is a professional he does a great job coming in and doing what needs to be done um but in terms of bringing in quality and experience um and that that, not just experience but like real winning um mentality and 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 uh the the pedigree i think that you can't it you just can't go out and find that very easily that's not that's not something that comes cheap normally um so even if it, it, it look i think it was a, a year and a half contract with another year option mm-hmm. so if even if you do another a, a year and a half um if that gets us into champions league and and he he provides cover or just just the experience that he can pass on to young players i think that is uh worth its weight in gold and we can definitely use him to propel this team through the second half of the season and hopefully solidify our place in that top four and potentially as a um as a premier league champion i think you you need champions in the team to to help you do that because you look at the players that we have available to us right now and there's not much of that to draw on 
there just there isn't that the, the championships under our belt that that you would hope to have in a Premier League winning side. And one of the things too is the buy-in that Jorginho has, which if you've watched his interviews, one of the things he's mentioned very specifically is that Arteta has wanted him for a while and he's very aware of that. And I think, you know, one of the things that this season has really shown is the buy-in for the whole team. And I think Jorginho slots into the, having that buy-in of like, this manager believes in me and had wanted me for years. And even if he isn't getting necessarily the starts, he knows that like, for the last like three years, Arteta has wanted him and wanted to to work with him. There's actually a funny clip going around of uh, Cucurella mm-hmm. being interviewed at Chelsea for some media clip, I guess. And uh, they're asking him who the smartest player at Chelsea is. And it's maybe 30 minutes after the transfer for Jorginho <laughs> goes through. And he goes, oh, it's Jorginho, hands down. And they're like, well, actually, he's not, an Ar- he's not a Chelsea player anymore. <laughs> he goes... <laughs> what <laughs> and just and he's like and then he goes can i still say georgini <laughs> so I, I think that's probably a good indication that he is definitely a, a smart player uh who can do a job for us and like i mean there's no doubt that he's talented yeah yeah i think he's if 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 arteta likes him as much as he seems to i think there is a lot that they're going to get out of each other. And, and uh, it's, it's nice to, I mean, there, there is certainly a case to be made that we're getting another, another Chelsea retiree. Um, but I, and, and I, I definitely made the comment on Twitter that we, it, at one point we were, we were stuck between pulling a Pepe and pulling a, um, a William and, uh, in retrospect, like because it wasn't wasn't necessarily going to be a Pepe, but I felt like the the higher that price tag went up, I'm like, even with Mudrik, I feel like we've gone down that road and spent big to get a get a player in, and it it can really come back to bite you when they don't pan out because you've got this high price tag, you've got high salaries, you've got things that you just can't recover from when they they don't prove to be the the player that you hope they would be. Um, that's not to say that would happen would have happened with Casado. I think he he has definitely some talent, but I would rather be in a position of power uh, in in a transfer window than than like being forced into something because we have a a, a need and and teams are kind of taking advantage of that. Um, with and, and in terms of of pulling a William or a, a Louise or however wh- whichever Chelsea player check, check. <laughs> I mean, <there's, laughs> whichever Chelsea player you want to reference, um, it, there's something to be said for that. But I think there's some some revisionist history going on. Like uh, of those three, William was an absolute mm. flop. There's no doubt about that. But I think um, Check had his moments. Louise had his moments. I don't think they were all bad. And I, I I think that we can we can look back and say okay the, we we could have done something different we maybe should have done something different but um, in this case I I I don't get those same feelings I feel like this it, for what we're trying to get out of it like a really just a half season to get us through I think we this this will look like good business at the end of the year. I mean, I know Alex and I actually talked about this, which is like, why does it feel different than William? 
<laughs> and I, for me, when I, I just, he's not coming in as a starter. He's coming in as a, 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 a bit player, not a bit player. That's not the right word. Uh, Stopgap, I guess. Yeah. And with William, it was like, I hated that. And it was like <laughs> the contract we signed him to everything. I'm on record on this podcast. Hating mm-hmm. this, the William signing from the second we signed it. And this just, it, it feels different. It's a it's different transfer fee. There's different money involved. And with the other two, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a Louise apologist. I actually don't think Louise is as bad as people make him out to be. And I think Czech did his job for us, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, so the only bad three, you, or the only bad one you can do is William. And it just, it, it is different because he is a winter signing. He's not expecting to start right away. I wouldn't expect, like, you know, if he's coming here expecting to start, he he's like, I don't think that was the conversation they had. His his expectation has to be he is rotating with Party and Jaka, and you know, if he has his opportunity and he takes it, he's going to be able to go far. But you know, it's not a. a it's not a marquee signing. It's not the signing. It's a it's his twelve million stopgap signing. You know, yeah. and I mean, we don't really do much important business in January. Most clubs don't, unless you're Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like looking over the past couple of years, we didn't really get anyone in in January last year. I think it was like Austin Trusty from Colorado, hmm. and then before that, well, before that was Odegaard. So yeah, bar, bar that on loan. And then other than that, it was you know Cedric, Pablo Mari, um, Dennis Suarez, like. We haven't really gotten a bombing, I guess it was a January signing. Yeah. Um, what what do you guys make of the age? Yeah, 31. If you want my That's why I like I'm oh, sorry, that's 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 just why I like how it's a short contract, right? It's just a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. To, I like that part about it. Sorry. That, that's exactly my answer. I like like literally that sign this signing it for Jorginho isn't like for the next three years. This signing is literally for the next six months. And there's an upside that if he does awesome, we can do the option. Cause I believe it's a club option, not a player option, right? Where we decide whether. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a year and a half contract with a, another year option. And, so potentially two and a half years total. And like, there's two types of option. There's club option or player option. And I believe it's a club option, which means mm-hmm. that uh, if he plays awesome, if he plays off the park, we sign that option. And that's awesome. We protect him. We can sell him on. And it, it, if he's a dud and it doesn't work out for us, and we just say goodbye after uh, after his contract. So I don't I don't think we lose much on that. Yeah. And in his age, like literally, like his age is he's at his prime towards the end of his prime at 30, 31, He's at right. Yeah, he's, he's thirty one. Mm-hmm. So that the, the you know he's at his prime and he's also in the Premier League. So just like Trissard, where it's like, you know, he should hit the ground running. We don't, mm-hmm. you don't need to adjust him to the Premier League or how the Premier League plays. You have to adjust him to how Arsenal plays. But he should hit the ground running. And if he doesn't, there's not a huge loss. And at twelve million, like, I mean, you know, ten years ago, twelve million would be a big deal. But the way the transfer market's going right now, twelve million is just like. Uh, money thrown away dropping the bucket for Chelsea yeah. Jesus um, and the other thing is we have these 
uh, older midfielders that are kind of like 29, 30, 31. And then we'll have this new generation of midfielders coming through. With, I mean, whoever we sign in the summer, whether it's Rice or whoever we end up with. And then uh, you have those veterans to kind of like, you know, bring in the, the next age of center mids coming into the squad, which will be, I mean, really helpful considering we have such a young squad. I'm I'm really excited about what Arteta's going to get out of him just because he's had in in the past all of the quotes that he's that have been dug up uh, that Arteta has specifically referenced Jorginho as kind of like his his prototype um defensive midfielder to have them come together and it makes you wonder if like he was kind of guiding party to be more like Jorginho, you know, it's like, I wonder if it's just going to be such a natural fit that he can just come in and, you know, if he had to start on the weekend, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing he could do that and, and it wouldn't be too, too much of a change as far as the, the understanding that's there as far as, uh, just understanding of the game and then how that position is, is supposed to be played. I think that there's, um, there's a language that they, they understand about that. And if it's, just to come in and not even play a game. If it's just there for the peace of mind, he's just, he's just that kind of player. I think that's going to really rub off on the young players that are around him. And that's, that's uh, that locker room presence. We, we know that that was an important piece of El Nani and, and, and so did kind of bring somebody else in that can be that is, I think super important because we've, we've only got a couple players in, in, uh, Xhaka and, uh, party and, and, maybe a couple others who have had some experience in the league have, have had done some things, but this guy's actually done a lot more. So I, I'm, I'm just, I think it's overall, I'm feeling pretty positive about it. So we, we should um, hopefully see some uh, pluses, whether he's playing or not. And part of my B B plus grade and is something I alluded to earlier is that the outgoings, is something that I think has been positive for this window as well. And it's something that like, you know, you have to kill your darlings at some point and mm-hmm. you, you do have to get people out of the team. There's only so many players you can have on a squad and you can't just sign players. And I think uh, what we did in the, the outgoing is almost as, if not more important than what we've done in the, uh, the ingoing this mm-hmm. window. I mean, I know Alex. You have a lot to say about Lakonga going out on uh, on loan. I mean, as far as the best place he probably could have landed for learning his position from the person who could teach it to him the best, Vieira, being that person. I mean, mm-hmm. loan that makes total sense. It makes me a little nervous with just the the depth now at center mid, but I guess we can probably make things work if there's an injury. Um, to somebody uh, but I think it'll I think he's a confidence player especially I mean what you can tell from all or nothing and just his demeanor when he's on the pitch and after and everything I think if he works his way into that Palace team and Vieira really coaches him into that kind of controlling center mid position that he used to you know be the one in uh Maybe maybe Lukonga comes back and starts fighting for a spot again. Or if he if he doesn't impress, then maybe we just sell him out in the summer. I don't know. It kind of just depends on the rest of the season for him, I guess. 
Well, I mean, I think also like it can only improve his value if you're looking at selling him on the summer because like obviously it's not working going straight into the Arsenal mm-hmm. team, right? And so if he can get some minutes on in Palace and even if we're not looking for him for the future at this point, if he gets those minutes, he his value rises in the transfer window and we can make some money back on it. So there's no, uh, I don't think there's any downside on this loan because it, you know, like I don't know the ins and outs of the club, but it, from the outside, it's obvious that it's not working for him as just coming into the Arsenal team. Yeah. The only other place I could have seen him going um, was potentially Burnley just because uh company is, has, spoken so highly of him in the past with his um uh you know his association with the Belgian national team and I think you know he he was somebody that recommended him to to Arsenal and I it's um maybe wouldn't have been as fruitful as what we, what we might get out of uh Vieira I think that is like a, a good match and it, it's I I'm I'm just not sure as far as as far as what Lakonga actually is like, is is he actually a defensive midfielder? Is he a creative guy? Like, I, I I'm hoping whatever he whatever he excels at becomes more clear, so that we can better place him and better use him going forward. And and hopefully Vieira is able to identify that and help him shine a little bit more because I think part of what has been disappointing about him is he he kind of looks a little confused or out of place or just not sure what to do in in our system and if he could maybe define his game a little bit more while he's out on loan and come back and feel confident about what he wants to do on the field what he's able to do it, it's going to make a huge difference in his his career trajectory and i i, I feel like we you know it, it's kind of a love it or leave it sort of thing if he doesn't come back and has a, and and have some improvement or have some more defined characteristics in his game. I think we, we cut, we can cut ties and, and feel okay about that. It's just, it's kind of now or never. If he, if he can make some, some leaps while out on loan, then good for him. If not, then we cut, cut it, cut our losses and move on and feel okay about that. Yeah. I mean, the other thing was like, uh, um, you know, he could come good. He could not. I mean, he's, definitely a talented player um i definitely forgot my train of thought right there (laughs) (laughs) definitely had something i forgot yeah don't worry it's the uh the barley wine uh (laughs) the other uh one of the other uh loans like we had a what's his name uh suarez went out to fulham and that is what it is and i'm I don't know if we need to talk about it but it's marquinhos going out to norwich and i think that was also a really good move because again he, like we signed him i think in the summer right if i remember correctly or mm-hmm. and yep uh he, he seems to be fitting in with the team well like when you see him on the bench he's always smiles he's one of the first people to come out and like hug everybody he seems to have a very good mentality but he's not he's just not getting the minutes and giving him to norwich i think it'll fit into norwich's system and you will have that playing time. And when he comes back, you know, maybe he's uh, fighting Balogun and Kedia and Jesus for those times and those minutes. And 
I, I think that was a great, great loan move. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with Norwich's play style now, especially since they're in the Premier League. Don't see him quite as much, but I mean, at the end of the day, all he really needs is playing time. Yeah, I think he might play more right wing, so maybe he could end up being some kind of backup to Saka at some point, which we kind of desperately need, even if Trossard can kind of fill that if he absolutely needs to. But just a, a good right winger, backup Saka would be great. Yeah. And with the with Norwich, I just, like, from what I've known of Norwich, I have not been following them this year as much, but uh, they're definitely like that yo-yo team where when they get the Premier League, they play a very different style than when they play in the uh, championship, which is they're all attacking, all exciting in the championship and take that sweet, sweet uh, Premier League money and and uh, and make an exciting attacking team in the championship. And then when they go to the Premier League, they try and be defensive and hold on to their uh, their spot in the Premier League. So I think I think it's a good fit for him. Is Timu Puki still there? Last I saw, Timu Puki was there, and don't get me started on the Finnish national team because I love the Finnish <laughs> national team quite a bit. So yes. Oh, I remember what I was going to say about Lakanga now. No. Uh, do you think he would be better in the shocker role, slightly further up and with less responsibility? Because I feel like Party's role in that center defensive, like holding mid, is the most responsible part. Pretty much the central cog of the squad, right? Like he. Mm-hmm. He gets the ball moving between the lines. He, you know, breaks from defense to attacking. Like he's the one, and especially being pressured at the same time, that's a lot for a, a young player like Lakanga to handle. So maybe that's somewhere down the line in his future. But I think maybe he's more suited to that more attacking sort of minded Shaka role that Shaka seems to have found himself in as of late. As far as I remember, when he signed him, that was kind of the idea that we're we were shooting for like when we bought him he was like a a box to box or more offensive minded midfielder but uh the playing time is just kind of dictated that you know when when you're transferring him in he's having more defensive responsibilities so yeah I I, i do agree with that like i think that's kind of maybe his better role yeah, I think he he's his defensive his defensive work was definitely I've never seen it really shine. I, I especially in this in this Man City game, I think he was there were moments where it, he just while all the other Arsenal players are moving around to cut off passing lanes and 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 they're kind of interchanging really well. There there are times you look at him and he's just like not in the right spot. And at the end of the game. Odegaard comes in and is yeah. and is telling the Congo where to where to play, where to be, and he's just not listening. And Odegaard was clearly very frustrated with that, especially when he's giving him the directions and he's not getting the response that he's hoping for. Um, you know, as, as Odegaard's kind of become the the Arteta on the field, mm. you know, it is if if he's showing frustration, you got to know that Arteta's kind of in that same same camp as far as how he's feeling about the response he's gotten from his coaching uh over the last year and a half so it's it was kind of a a a do or die situation like if he if he were to stick around i don't know what he would be doing i think he had to go out and and 
make something of the, his career uh, and this change hopefully helps him get back on track. Yeah, I think this is the best situation for him. Um, anything else we want to say about the transfer business? I think we, we're... I, I, even though we didn't spend huge money, even though we didn't get the players we necessarily wanted to get going into it, I think we everybody should feel pretty good about where where things ended up especially when you're talking about a team that is leading the premier league to just shore up the those those positions and hopefully get those extra pieces that get you across the finish line i think you're you're feeling pretty good about what what arsenal were able to do i mean i think my only response would be i'm i feel better where we did and what we did in the transfer window than what chelsea did even if we had half a billion dollars <laughs> And and the, the the real bright side, I, I think, is we kept the powder dry for the summer. Yes, like we didn't didn't overextend, didn't get ourselves into a position where we um, hurt our future prospects at all. So hopefully, we can go back in and and find that that midfielder replacement, whether that is Rice or Casado or or somebody else that becomes available. <laughs> I think now. Oh, Bellingham. Bellingham would be amazing. <laughs> Your lips are God's ears, man. Like I, I would yeah. love that transfer. That's, that's the dream. I got you know they that the um I'm trying to think of the guy's name that Chelsea just bought that's been oh Enzo yes Enzo um yeah it, it, I don't Bellingham will will probably command a, a fee in that range. I'm yeah. imagining. I would yeah. Also did his. Uh, Price tag inflated that much just from the World Cup. That seems like an insane amount to spend on oh. some guy that had like. Wait, he can't, he went from River Plate to yeah, uh, Benfica to Chelsea in like a what two years and and like oh. it's it's insane how much his price got inflated over those three transfers. Uh, I mean, if we're gonna, if we're going to talk about trans- the, the the January transfer window after World Cup is the worst time to buy players ever. And you know it's it's like a Gakpo for Liverpool, right? Yeah, good example. Mm. It's mm-hmm. he's not worth that money. He had a me- and Gakpo had a mediocre World Cup. He didn't have a great World Cup. He had like two good games. Yeah, ish, ish. And it, he didn't <laughs> light the world on fire. And he got that transfer. It's, I mean, we saw it uh, with uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Sanchez. You know, when we bought him off the oh, World yeah. Cup, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> January transfer windows after the World Cup are the worst time to buy these players. Because, like, I mean, like, again, you know, what's his name that Chelsea bought? A, he could be a, an amazing player, but he doesn't have a CV. That's, I mean, that has Pepe written all over it. That that has mm-hmm. giant transfer, and he could be a good player, but he's always going to have that. You're the most expensive. It's it. it it's very rare in soccer that the most expensive transfer turns out to be good. Holland is a outlier. Like, yeah. But for the most part, when you spend that money for those types of players, it's not going to work out. And those 12 million, 30 million pound players are going to be far better bang for your buck than to spend 120, was 130 million? 120, 130, something like that. Jesus. Yeah, I think I had 131, something. I mean, this but, sorts the uh, the transfer league and 
there there i read a great article on the guardian about how like how people are starving and like the uh healthcare system is falling apart but you can spend 130 million dollars on a player to change shirts and mm-hmm. <laughs> that's okay but yeah that's a discussion for another podcast i think all, all chelsea has really done is put a target on their back as far as the the financial fair play i mean i i don't know that anything that could be levied against them is actually going to have an impact as far as they've had transfer bans, they've had fines thrown at them. doesn't seem to matter too much, but they, they are pretty much in a position where they have to make champions league or they're kind of screwed. Well, and they're about 10 points behind third, fourth place right now. So right. they've got some work to do. And, and, and more than that, like you, you talk about the fin- financial fair play, but every single club that's doing business with them is looking at them going like, Oh, you're a sucker. I can make money off oh, you. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you got I, they got to be th- most of these clubs outside of the Premier League have to be thinking if like we can just fleece these guys. Yeah. Cuz like, the the, the Gakpo's are just like the the bottom end of that. Yeah. No, I mean it, it, it's amazing. Oh, like that's where I'm like super excited about Arsenal's transfer window is like we were we have a lot of positions of need and we were kind of under the barrel. And yeah, we didn't get everything we wanted, but we do. We definitely signal that we're not going to like, there's a certain point where we're not going to do it. And the Mudrick, Mudrick, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that was the thing of like, we're not going to do the stupid things like that. That deal blows my mind. That deal. Like I, I don't even understand how anyone thinks that that's a smart idea. Like I, I don't have millions. It's it's just to cook the books. I mean, it's just to make it so that they can amortize that over eight years instead of you know having that cost spread over two or three. So but, they're the new Juventus then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know how you can look at Juventus as like a a, a bastion of, of, yeah. of yeah, like that yeah. they're they are in some hot, hot water and it's like, Oh, well we're going to copy what they did. And then like you find out the next day that they just got 15 points docked oh. and it's like, oh, well too late. We just already, we start. already started doing this. Yeah. And that 15 <laughs> points docked are not even the start of it. I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about like with Juventus, like the players actually might be in criminal trouble because the players also <laughs> lied about their contract. Like <laughs> some of this stuff I'm like, I actually, love watching like Swedish soccer or other leagues where like that isn't even an issue, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. I think as far as the transfer window goes, this is the worst transfer window and we walked out of it. Like, yeah. With our heads held out. Like we, we did a good job of it. Didn't bend. Yeah. Didn't get bent over with fees for, for Mudrick or Caicedo. Yeah. Like you said, kept your powder dry and I think it couldn't have gone a whole lot better. No, I mean, because like if you look at like the the ideal transfer window, right, we would have got a Mudrick uh, and Kai Sato for mm. way too much money. That would have been and spend one hundred two hundred fifty two hundred million something. And Mudrick like that. again, like he could be the best player that's ever played soccer ever, but I don't think that's the case. <laughs> and uh, Kai Sato is great; like he had a good World Cup. Like he looks like a good player, but he is he a hundred and what I think 120 is what we were looking at. They wanted 80 for Caicedo or something like yeah. that, but that was like the, and they weren't going to sell him anyway. So it probably would have been more. Yeah. Uh, but he's also only 21 and has only been at Brighton for like 
a season and a half. Yeah. And his contract is going to end at some point. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. He could go. It's the thing. He could go this summer for maybe even less. Yeah. So I think we made a smart transfer window. I think that Mudrick thing is a bullet dodge because if you if you're imagining we're going to spend over a hundred on him, Arsenal are not going to give him an eight year contract to try to to spread out that cost. So that would have hit us for four or five years, you know, like that. If that doesn't pan out, that's gonna we're we're gonna have to eat that cost in a much bigger chunks. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, as I said, like these plays may pan out, but as we know with like Pepe, there there's a, a high chance. And it's like, he, like with Mudrik, he had what two Champions League game where he played. Like one of them was amazing, one of them was good, and he plays in the Ukrainian Premier League, which is like, I think fourth or fifth tier in Europe, and mm-hmm. probably actually not that far away from MLS tier. You know, like <laughs> right. So I mean, and you've seen like what Almiron's done, which was the best player in MLS at the time when he's when they. Yeah, there's not not too many that can make that leap and and hit the ground running. I, even Omaron had had a a season and a half, but really before he he started coming into his own in Newcastle. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, we've gone extremely long this episode, <laughs> but I, I've I've been having fun, so it's hard hard to hard to stop. It's it's a, um, when we have a good guest, it's uh, always hard to stop talking about Arsenal. <laughs> Actually, I'll t- I'll take the blame for this one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I we'll we'll wrap things up and and say thank you, Alex, for joining us because it's it's been a pleasure. We've been having a lot of fun and and the time has flown by. I can't believe it's been almost two hours already. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, thanks again for having me. It was a great time. Yeah, we'll we'll do it again for sure. Well, I, I think we need to have you back on definitely after you make your your pilgrimage so we can hear <laughs> the, the post post match reports. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna try to make that as great as, great a time as I can. <laughs> so I'm, I mean, I'm I'm. Just, it's two months away and I can't wait to go. Yeah, that's going to be really fun. Um, I think we can uh, wrap things up from there. So thank you all for listening. Uh, I appreciate those of you who stuck stuck with us for this long. Um, if you enjoyed what you heard, please review and subscribe wherever you pick up your podcasts. Uh, if you want to uh, send in a question for our next episode, there's a few ways you can do that. Uh, Twitter is at W of N London. Email us at westofnorthlondon at gmail.com. Voicemails can go to anchor.fm slash westofnorthlondon slash message. And Discord can be joined by clicking the link in our show notes. We'd love to have you over there uh, for our daily, weekly chats. We're, we're always talking about soccer over there. So can I put a, join a little note? The Discord is one of my favorite things about, about this. And that's where we uh, met Alex, actually in some way was on the discord so please join the discord yeah you too could be a guest on the show if you join the discord you never know (laughs) (laughs) um uh if you like our theme song go check out bobcat their uh album no course to follow can be found at their website bobc.at is where you can find that uh so that is all for us this week so as always see you at the next gun show